Hey cool cat. I have seen you around the office. Working on our computers. Thank you for that. My computer is so good. You may want check out 10.4 Optics. They have S, F, P modules that can make our network even better and have a lifetime 24-hour replacement guarantee. It is because the test so rigorously that they are so good. Good. Yeah. So things have changed. Things have changed. It's been. Uh, it's been a. I mean, it's you know, it, it feels like such a fluid situation all the time uh, in this line of work, and I can't believe. I mean, as of October, we will have been open almost. You know, we will have been open two years uh, in this fluid situation. So to have a day that we can put on the calendar now. Um, really changes uh, all of our uh, outlooks and forecasting and stress levels and you know, it's just really nice to have something to work with now. So we know on that day, that day <coughs> is yeah. legal. There yeah, is like no the, more guessing. Yeah, like how the Senate normally works, right, is like when the Senate votes something through and it gets royal assent, uh, then that typically becomes law. But in this particular situation, the government has extended it and made sure they've set a specific date for the law to come into place to get their government monopolies in some provinces and other, you know, uh, dispensary licenses uh, set. Just get their systems set up, and they've always asked for uh, eight to twelve weeks from the feds to do that. Mm -hmm. So the feds have picked this day of October seventeenth, which is, you know, originally uh, over the past two years we've been working with July first as the as the target date. So I think they're doing pretty well. As much as, you know, there's a lot of complaints out there. I think people don't appreciate the undertaking that this is. I mean, culturally across a country, you know, Canadians are Canadians, but I mean, culturally, give me a break. I mean, BC and Alberta right next to one another, culturally quite different. And not to mention BC and the rest of the country and the Maritimes and whatnot. So to try and make this palatable to all these different cultural, regional Places, provinces, and governments is uh, is tricky, and uh, and it's a and it's a map where the second country in the world and to do it. Uruguay uh, is much smaller and uh, <laughs> and uh, doesn't have as many moving parts, and they are not quite as liberal with their approach as Canada is going to be either. So, so really, I think really they they have like full on controlled pharmacies, limited. Uh, purchasing, uh, that kind of thing. So like 1984 Victory brand, like, it's, you're going to get that? Or is it, are they going to at least have different brands? Is there do you mean us or? No, no or, in Uruguay. Oh, well, I think well, they've, they've been legal for a while. Okay. And, I mean, I haven't examined their system. You know, I just watched a couple documentaries uh, on, on the Uruguay uh, mm -hmm. system. And it is definitely a little bit more controlled than people think just because it's legal. You know, and in Amsterdam where it's free, you know, free for all, mm -hmm. it's not actually technically legal, right? It's, it's just decriminalized and it's just tolerated in quotation marks sort of thing. So Amsterdam or Holland has never been legal. It's just completely decriminalized. Does all, so, Holland, so like... There's a big difference. Okay, so in Canada, there's been, well, the, the, the um, brands of businesses have gone done amazing with like all your major brands like Canopy and, mm -hmm. and Hydropothecary mm -hmm. and all these big brands, mm -hmm. right? Is that how they have it in Holland? Do they have that or is it like local only? I don't know. I mean, a lot of the grows are a lot smaller there and I don't know how 
the industry kind of blossomed there. I, and I don't know why, because it's not legal though, okay. I don't think that they're probably able to get financing or right. anything. Like, I mean, you've been able to pay with a credit card or the internet with a licensed producer for quite some time. Mm -hmm. you know, and they're able to have bank accounts and okay. drum up financing. It's still not as easy for the LPs to get financing. It still tends to come from a lot of private capital uh, okay. rather than some of the big banks. But I mean, Aurora just signed a $250 million deal yesterday, the day before, with the Bank of Montreal for a loan. You know, you can't do that in a decriminalized environment. So mm -hmm. uh, I think Canada is going to be a, a big global player very quickly. Okay, uh, so that's... Canada's. But I mean, you know, what do I know? I live in Ross. <laughs> We're not the epicenter necessarily of the of the business of the movers and shakers uh, of of this business uh, right now. That's for sure. Okay, yeah. so you're totally in favor with everything that's going on so far. So you, oh, I know. I, I don't. Th I think everything. Uh, there's nuance and everything. I'm just in favor. I just think that the government is getting uh, a bad rap, uh, and I think people are being a little bit unfair for the extra couple of months. Uh, not just the extra couple of months, even just, you know, the fact that edibles, I mean, we'll probably get to it as well, but I mean, you know, the fact that not everything is legal all at once, you know, there's people, you know, there's products that we sell here, literally everything is going to go away <clears throat> because we're not going to be able to sell edibles uh, legally until next year. And that's, you know, whether we get a, uh, even a, a license or not to sell. Okay. But, um, yeah, so there's a lot to talk about. Okay, so let's be clear. So that date, which is what, October yeah, 17th, 17th, is... Only, uh, what do you call it? You call it flour. Yeah, flour, so, bud, okay. and uh, oils and concentrates were in the bill, or uh, oils were, but uh, what's going to happen? Now, again, they haven't announced exactly the product selection, but uh, from what I've been able to glean from some of the suppliers that we have that have been um, consulted by the provincial government, um, uh, they are, sorry that, they are, uh, um, talking about flour and bud and tinctures and that's it so you will have an edible format it will be in a tincture bottle it won't be in a candy or a uh, brownie or all of those things all of those vapor pens all of the phoenix tear oils like that's considered an oil concentrate that would technically be in the bill but it doesn't sound like that's going to make it into a legal regime right away so um though like the stuff that the medical lps are selling right now like oils and concentrates they're going to be the only ones selling those and the tinctures that we're going to be allowed to sell are not going to be as strong as the ones that you find in the medical system but again that medical system that is online you have to go to a physician it can't be a naturopath it has to be it can't be a massage therapist physical therapist. It can't be a dentist it has to be a physician and physicians are still not totally comfortable with uh, not you know as a as a as a as a, as a profession as a uh, prescribed so there's still a massive access problem to those medical uh, items so recreational is going to be bud or flour and tinctures which again are, uh, are an edible format so it's it's you know it's not impossible to get some, you don't have you're not forced to smoke mm -hmm. you will be have you will have but whether you know the convenience of uh, and of the oils and whether you're smoking them or whether uh, you're eating candies and that kind of thing like those are really popular and you can make them in a THC, a half and a half THC, CBD and CBD format. And so all of that is in a separate bill and that will be read in the, uh, in the house and debated in start spring 2019. So at the earliest, we're looking at summer 2019 for edibles right now. And if the past two years is any um, example to kind of go on how 
quickly and how efficiently this is going to make it through government, we may not see those products until the fall. So there's going to be a huge vacuum, huge void um, <clears throat> in the market come legalization for those other products. Nobody knows what direction that's going to go, but um, it's definitely going to go underground. Hello, YouTube and Facebook Live video cooking shows. Potentially, absolutely, hundred yeah. percent. I think you know. I think it's an exciting time. I think we're going to start seeing medical research that you've never seen. I mean, there's only places like in Israel and uh, <clears throat> in certain jurisdictions in the United States that have had special permission to do studies about marijuana, and you've got a supply chain that has never been. Um, legal, so it has. It's never been standardized. It's never been 100% clean. And you can study it like 100 people for 60 days and see what the effects, or even over 20 years, and see what the effects of marijuana are on them. Spray it with whatever the hell they care uh, uh, care to, or if they've been getting it from a mom and pop grower, you know, who we tend to get our stuff from, craft cannabis growers who really care about the art and the science of it, who are trying to grow as organically as possible, often full organic. Um, you don't know uh, um, what the what the pot's been sprayed with. Now that it's going to be standardized, you're going to have an amazing assortment of, of, of studies that are now going to be able to be done properly with consistency and um, and lots of them. You're not going to have to go through all this rigmarole trying to get the product, you know, uh, um, from the or letting the RCMP allow you to run the study. Mm -hmm. It's going to be it's going to be incredible. Yeah. Okay, so are you are you still are you seeing any kind of loopholes or glitches in the current oh. legalities? Yeah, that 100%. you think people are going to be taking advantage of? Or? Oh yeah, yeah, hundred percent. I think I think, um, and you know, I, I hesitate to use the word uh, taking advantage of. I think it's just uh, continuing to provide service to people is what a lot of these edible companies are going to continue to do mm -hmm. because they're not going to be allowed to sell it. So I think there's a lot of that's going to get pushed underground again. You're not going to be, you know, getting the tax revenue from these products anymore. Like we're charging tax and everything that we sell and then we remit that to the government. We also pay our corporate taxes and that sort of thing. So there's going to be a huge revenue loss there for a little while. Um, again, I understand that there's a lot more that goes into the edible uh, uh, market and trying to come up with a consistent product that medical associations will at least rubber stamp that sort of thing, which I know a lot of the government is, is, is concerned about. But I think that's going to be the biggest void is just pushing a lot of the craft growers who uh, grow flour right now, um, who we carry. They're not going to be incorporated into the new system right away because you have to, there's a micro grow that you can apply under, but that's still a, a, a massive. Uh, amount of lights and investment that is required to become a micro grower. So people that have the smaller grow systems, um, you know, uh, uh, that are able to fit inside their house, like those people are still going to be able to supply the black market. And so it's doing nothing to supply the black market. And certainly small communities are going to get hit hard financially if they're not able to make a living at this legally. Um, and I worry that the penalties are going to be quite strict and the enforcement is going to be quite nasty. Um, and then on the edible side, you've got a lot of, you know, we've been running for two years. A lot of these edible companies have been going for three or four years. Um, people are accustomed to a certain strength and are, you know, we've got customers that are off of opiates, off of sleeping pills that are using these products now, um, which I think are quite a bit more benign than the product than the, than the items they were using before. Mm -hmm. uh, and they are petrified because you know, they've been sleeping <laughs> and now they're, they're petrified. They're not going to be sleeping. So we're doing our best to, 
make sure our inventory is ready for people to stock up a little bit, but there's no guarantee that these edible companies will still be running upon legalization. Uh, a couple of them have been shut down by the police already. A couple others are shutting down voluntarily because they don't want to compromise their uh, ability to enter the legal market should they apply to, to enter it. Um, so it's a, again, it's, an ex it's still a very fluid situation, even though we have that date. I think that's going to be the, uh, the loopholes that are still left open. I think you know you can encrypt a website and uh, run an online website. Again, not anything we're thinking of doing ourselves. We are we are going to be um, uh, doing everything we are told to do. You say jump, we say how high. We want to be in the legal regime, and we know that eventually we'll be able to offer a better assortment of products. So we're doing everything that we're supposed to do, and nothing that we're not. But I know that there will be people out there still running their websites. I think you can get a pretty smart guy to, or, or gal to encrypt your website quite well and just keep running the way you're running. Um, you know, if you look at Colorado, Colorado still has a burgeoning black market because of the adjacent states around them, like Utah, uh, will never legalize kind of thing. And even certain areas of Colorado, like certain municipalities that are a little bit more conservative, did not opt, they opted out of legalization. So there's a huge black market in those areas in the, in the products. Um, so you'll never stamp out the black market, uh, you know, but it, uh, you can make it a lot less profitable. And I think that's what's going to happen with flour, unfortunately, is that a lot of people around here are not going to be making as, as, as good a living uh, growing the product um, because uh, the prices are going to are in free fall right now. They're just going to continue. So that's kind of a good and bad thing depending on what side of the debate you're on because if you just you never think these people ever deserve to be making as much money as they were making in the black market, then you might not feel sorry for them. I think if you look on the knock-on effects that a lot of these people have, uh, living in these communities, whether they're buying cars, uh, snowmobiles, uh, they're eating out in restaurants, uh, they're, you know, they're, they're spending money in the community because it's a cash-rich economy and they want to spend the money, uh, I think you're going to see a pretty huge economic impact. I think Nelson, in particular, is a town that will probably be hit harder by this, by legalization, than any other community in the country, just by the nature of how uh, many people uh, make a livelihood in, uh, in and around there by growing, um, which I think is, is a great thing because they produce an incredible product and they're the reason why Canada, they're one of the reasons why Canada is at the forefront of, uh, of this industry uh, internationally. Best product? Best product. These are the best people in the world doing it. I, you know, I think California is somewhere that you know you look to for the best genes for these products and certainly for uh, it happened in California first, but I think just for uh, the sheer volume and the numbers of people that are that are doing it, and for how long they've been doing it, we're you know here in Vancouver Island for Canada anyway is quite the quite the epicenter given the population uh, per capita, how many people are producing that product. So I worry a lot about the knock-on effects, and you know not October seventeenth, but you're already seeing the prices in free fall. We get um, and uh, you're seeing the impact. Already, but I think you know a year or two from now, we have a lot of people having to look for a different uh, profession, and that you know, depending on the side of the debate you're on, you might think that's good. But not all black market is is negative with this product. Right? There's a lot of really nice, good people. I'd say the vast majority are really nice, good people that are just trying to make a living and put food on the table for their families, and it's just or it's a supplementary income for them. They're not all uh, you know the, what you would see in the media. But that's surprising. 
that whole the whole thing about um just flour as being legal mm. is kind of surprising to me because of the amount of investment from Corona, and now mm. I hear Molson as well getting into it. Mm. So where they may have thought that it was going to be happening a lot sooner, maybe that investment is well that investment's going to be pushed back as well. I guess I think when you look at the big alcohol um, and big pharma, um, I think for you know, I mean, for opiate producers, and not that they go out and, and, and intentionally, you know, trying to get people hooked on their products, but they're making a lot of money uh, for opiates being out there in the numbers that they're out there. Um, you know, there's a study in Colorado a couple of years old now, but they continue to show that there's, you know, up to a 30% drop in states in the United States that have medical marijuana come online. Mm -hmm. uh, people suffer, and we have, you know, lots of success stories here, people getting off of opiates specifically. Um, and alcohol is petrified of the of their market being cannibalized by uh, marijuana because when you talk about recreational, so not medical, when you talk about recreational marijuana, and you can even bridge the, the you know, walk the fence between medical and recreational at this point, is a lot of people you know use alcohol uh, for the same reasons they would use uh, marijuana, and uh, a lot of uh, marijuana is a lot healthier, a lot less harmful. Uh, and particularly if you're not smoking, if you're eating it or you're vaping it, um, it is far less harmful and there's far less social consequences. Um, you know, you don't see too many uh, street fights uh, that are started by people that are stoned uh, on marijuana. Uh, typically, alcohol or other harder drugs are involved. And so, um, like uh, the beer industry, even uh, I saw uh, them on CPAC like two months ago, um, arguing that um, medical, like that marijuana companies should have stricter uh, um, uh, advertising uh, rules and uh, sponsorship rules than alcohol, which I don't think is necessarily fair. I think at least as strict, but I also firmly believe that marijuana is far less addictive. I mean, you look at the percentages, it's below 10%. Uh, addiction rates with marijuana where alcohol is well into the teens, 16, 17%, and then obviously opiates are far higher than that. But they're petrified because they know um, that their market is going to get cannibalized by this this market, and uh, that's not a bad thing. Uh, I think it's a really healthy thing uh, for for Canadians. And I think as the perceptions continue to change, um, as people stop normalizing alcohol and not normalizing pot, and they start seeing them as equals, and as you know, they learn more about cannabis, they realize that cannabis is actually far less harmful. Uh, and um, then uh, I think you know what um, um, you're going to see a massive uh, investment from the alcohol companies trying to prevent that uh, siphoning from their, their market share. Mm -hmm. So I think that's why you see a lot of that interest is because they know what's going on. What's going to happen. Oh yeah. Yeah, right. 100%. Since last time we sp spoke, can you give me an example of a super positive, awesome story that you've come across where someone's started yeah. using your products and... Yeah. Brought yeah. you uh, regular cookies because he yeah. or she was so happy? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I was just talking to Heather about it because uh, you kind of, and I'm not being you know, cheesy, I'm not being um, hyperbolic, I guess, and I'm not exaggerating. I, uh, you do lose track of the number of people because we're in the only place and because it's such a new industry you lose track of the number of new faces that you see in here, people that would never have dreamed of using this product. And so I kind of like, I just kind of asked Heather before you came in just to give me, you know, get, give me a couple of her favorite examples. 
um, because I've just I've honestly lost track. And so and I said, yeah, let's get some recent ones. So we've had two people come in. One gentleman, uh, and we're not going to use names, of course, but um, one gentleman has, has been off uh, opiates. Uh, uh, he was on fentanyl for back pain. And again, these opi people using opiates, these are not drug addicts. A lot of them are not people right. that started down an addiction path. These are people that had injuries and they were prescribed this, you know, by a perfectly well-meaning physician who uh, didn't know uh, at the time just how addictive these things can be. And then all of a sudden, um, you know what, the only thing that's fixing their pain is more, is more um, opiates. So we have a lot of people coming through with those uh, and, you know, and mixed results. I mean, you're, I'm not saying cannabis works for everybody, just like, you know, opiates don't work for everybody. Um, but we have um, two people in particular we were talking about that are like massive success stories that came in like crying. Like, you know, and we, we do see a lot of emotion in here, but people crying because we, you know, they're trying to tell us why they're there. They're giving us their medical reasoning. And it's quite an intense thing to let anyone know. We try and give as much privacy as possible. People tell us a lot of personal information here about uh, what they're dealing with. And we've watched, yeah, like they, he was so ashamed at what had become of, or how he, how uh, dependent he had become on, uh, on on opiates, and that's why he was there was to start weaning himself off of them, and through a mixture of uh, uh, you know usually lots of CBD is involved uh, uh, and lots of one to one like half and half uh, tinctures are, are involved with that. And it's just a really uh, easy way to uh, to transition people into using these products as the edibles last longer. So yeah. CBD versus THC. CBD. Well, yes, in the for the pain and inflammation, CBD is definitely the medical component, and mm -hmm. THC definitely affects you know your perceptions and that sort of thing. But CBD is is the one that we're really excited about. Um, but through a mixture of, of, of edible products and some smokables, because the edibles last longer, but they also uh, take longer to kick in. Um, we have like two people in the last couple of weeks that have just come in and like announced, basically announced to us like that they're off, like they've stopped, they've dropped the fentanyl patches or in the garbage, they're not using them anymore. That's, that's real. That's, like, mm -hmm. those are real anecdotes and it's not, and, and it's something that happens a lot. Something that is that categorical. You didn't um, get that when you were a banker? No, definitely, you know, different, diff different satisfaction, job satisfaction there. And then, um, and then another one was just, uh, you know, again, the other frequency that we see is just that, you know, I'll just give a general example of a, you know, a plus 50 to 90 year old uh, woman. And again, women tend to be much more open to trying new things. And so we see far more females um, who uh, had just never dreamed of coming in here. So they always bring their husbands with them for, you know, because they don't know what to expect. And they walk in here and they're just shattered like at at how they all of their perceptions were wrong like there was not one thing that they expected to see that was in here there's no dreadlocks not there's no dreadlocks but just there's no tie-dye shirts there's no uh people smoking guns in the corners there's um nice normal people just like them and um and they get results and these are the people that will come back and bring you those cookies. And it happens a lot. There's crispy squares, whatever. Um, flowers. We've had flowers dropped off. And they'll make special trips. Like, they're not even in to buy more because, you know, it's not an addictive substance. Uh, um, there are addiction issues like there is with coffee. But it's not something that, you know, uh, we're finding people are coming in and over, over you know, abusing on a regular basis or like that at all. They're coming in because they just wanted to let us know. We've had people drive from Castlegar, just special trip, just to come back and say, 
wow, I just slept better than I've slept in months. And I just can't believe that I didn't try this earlier. And it's not a miracle cure, but it's just, it, it, it boggles the mind when you're now, because we've been in it, we're, it's so normalized for us that it's like, how could this ever have not been legal? You forget what we grew up with. You forget the 80 years of propaganda we've been living with because we see the results every day. So that's where we've been just incredibly fortunate. So those kinds of stories, yeah, they're happening all the time. And that's the only bummer for me is that when we get into the legal market, we're just not going to have the product selection at the beginning. And so those are the people I worry about because they're not the sophisticated, you know, they're very sophisticated online finding illegal websites. And I'm not going to be in the business of showing people where to buy a legal product in an officious way. Mm -hmm. I want nothing to do with anything legal because we want to do everything as legit as possible. We want to conform. Um, and those are the people I worry about because I don't know what's going to happen to them when they can't access this product again. Black market will be out there, but there's only certain demographics that know how to access it, and most of our customers are not that demographic. That's why they come to us. And there lies the danger, like someone going into a black market situation for the first time, like black, you know, dark alley and a bonk across the head. Like, who do you know? You don't yeah. know anything. It's terrible. It's like, yeah. like that's where problems can really happen. Yeah, and I still think like the black market has, has, has moved on from, from that to a degree. Like I think there will be illegal dispensaries, but there still won't be the nice places that we've kind of worked really hard to establish here. Mm -hmm. And I think the websites, I mean, you don't know who's running them. You don't know. When you don't have a bricks and mortars place where people have to be accountable for what they carry, um, then, uh, yeah, there's all kinds of uh, risks. What's, what's happening with your credit card on those? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Right. Same I mean, thing is uh, getting... Yeah, like, I mean, we just... You, the, the, the key for me is you don't know. You just don't know, and we don't know where it's going to go. And, uh, and the, that's where, yeah, it's going to be a really interesting transition period this fall. But uh, the, the positives far outweigh the negatives. And, and, and I think you can look at other jurisdictions like Oregon and Colorado and Washington and California, and you can... You can poop with the feds for how they've uh, how they've rolled this thing out over the last few years, but um, the fact that, the fact remains that they they made the commitment and they're making it happen, and they're the first second country in the world, the first Western world country to do it. And yes, it's easier culturally in Canada, but we are we are literally at the forefront of something that's going to make it more possible for people to access it everywhere else in the world. Because the second people look and say Canada did it, wait a minute, why isn't our company? country doing it. You look at this poor woman that you're, I read about the other day who got stopped with uh, CBD coming back from Canada, uh, going to England because her son has this rare form of uh, epilepsy, and his seizures again, it's all these classic stories, seizures go from 200 seizures down to five a day, and his quality of life is just astronomically better, and the foreign office, or the customs, confiscated everything, kid starts having seizures again. She has to go through officious channels and then just going, goes to the BBC to basically embarrass the government into giving a product back. And they had to make a special um, uh, exception for her to get her her product back. This is just a mom trying to do what's right for her kid. And she sees the results. And I get that culturally it's different in England. But I think that, you know, you've got 60, 70 million people just there who uh, would love to see this at least available. And that's and you know you can buy CBD on the street in uh, in Switzerland. Switzerland's a big CBD, but only CBD. CBD. They're still they have a massive black market in all the other products. Like I think that's one of the biggest black markets in, in, in Western Europe comes from Switzerland. All the home grows that are that are there up in the mountains and stuff. But uh, 
They still haven't moved on it because culturally people just couldn't wrap their head around it. So Canada is, is open. Like, well, I should give the United States credit where credit is due. They were the first statewide, the Colorado, mm-hmm. Washington, of course. But nationally, is still a big deal, man, because federally now, federally everywhere in Canada, rather than in the States, you know, you go from one state to another, you got to be petrified of Homeland Security checkpoints, police checkpoints, you've got pot and they can stop you and take everything, arrest you right there on the spot. You might have bought it in Colorado, but now you're in Utah, sorry. So very different. And that way as well. And mm-hmm. I think uh, I'm just so happy for all the people that are benefiting from this to not be afraid to have much more access now. Um, it's just, it's just, it's all positive. Awesome. Yeah. So what's next for the Roslyn Dispensary? Next, uh, the Roslyn Dispensary is, um, we're still waiting on the application package for the BC government. We have no information still. We're the only province in the country. Now, again, I'm not... I'm not criticizing the BC government. I have to think these are smart people. They've got a plan in place. Every other province in the country, though, whether they were going private or public, um, have their application. Well, obviously, you can't apply if it's all public, but Manitoba and Saskatchewan, they're already handing out licenses. And we haven't even been able to apply yet. So all I can think is that BC government is just not that concerned about it because they look at our, our dispensary models in place right now. No one's been... They think it's safe. It's... I mean, how many people are dying from fentanyl every day? And we've got how many dispensaries in this province? No one's dying from these dispensaries. Um, and like ours is busy. We're in a town of a few thousand people. Go to like my, one of our employees was just in Maple Ridge. He, he said they were doing business. They had six employees running back and forth all day long on a Wednesday. Okay, like that's the amount of people that are using the, 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 the amount of money that is out there being spent on these products, and no one's being harmed. Uh, in this, in the same numbers of fentanyl as in how many people are using fentanyl compared to pot? Like it's a microscopic number, okay? So <clears throat> I just think BC government's just not that concerned about it, and they just think, yeah, they, and there's going to be you know a robust system still in place where we we send our applications off. You have to have a 12 month lease. Uh, there's a couple of things we know. You have to have a 12 month lease. You have to have a floor plan, criminal record checks. Uh, those will all go off to the um, province first, and then. They will hopefully rubber stamp us, and then that comes back to your municipality, and they have the veto power from there. Um, but you have to leave it open and transparent. There can't be, you know, the. So we're just really hopeful that we, you know, nobody has a right to a license. Mm-hmm. We're just really, and, and unfortunately, even though we're local, uh, because of the Great West Partnership Agreement that covers all of Western Canada, no municipality can give any kind of favoritism to a local company over anybody else. So. Some big corporate guys can just rock in here and open a shop if they wanted to, and nothing's going to stop them. They just have to get a twelve-month lease from a landlord. So it's you know it's it's a little bit frightening, but we're also sticking to our just sticking to what we're doing and uh, and thinking that uh, we're just going to keep working on the brand that we've established here and the service that we've established, and we really hope that we retain our customer base. Mm-hmm. Just keep doing a good job, and then everything yeah will yeah where you want to. And I think it's. Status quo until then, and we don't know until we get that application package. We have that date of October 17th. I can't imagine them making us shut down for very long between when you have to open with the new product. Um, so I think we just submit our floor plan, the lease, all that kind of stuff. And then uh, there's maybe like a few days or a few weeks where you have to stop selling everything that you're selling now and only and then re-merchandise, get every, all the new product on the shelf that you buy from the BC Liquor Board because they're going to be the main distributors of all this stuff. But we haven't seen anything from them yet. So 
uh, I have to believe that they're just not that worried about it because it's not that far away. And, like Saskatchewan, there's licenses being handed out in Regina that are already given them. There's LPs are already buying some of the licenses. They're, uh, and that's the, the scary part is that the, yeah, the big companies are definitely, <clears throat> it feels like a small mom and pop shop is not going to have a whole lot of uh, muscles to flex because we're not going to be able to carry local products all of a sudden. We're not going to be able to differentiate our product selection from a big chain because we're going to be carrying all their chain wheat. Because right. everything needs <clears> to be... Yeah, all these folks that we're getting right now. Yeah, and all the others, like none of them are going to be on our shelves at first. So it's going to be a rough beginning, but I have to believe that a lot of people that have not come in yet will come in because now it's legal. It's just a, you know, a, you know, a little bit of a, a mind shift for them. Now that something's legal, they're okay with it, and they'll come in. And I think in the in the winter time we'll have a lot more tourists and that sort of thing that will be uh, able to come in that did you know didn't have medical cards and want to go through the process here. Mm-hmm. But we still don't know what the city of Rossland is going to do. With, um, but we know that they're not going to put a limit on the number of dispensaries. We know that there's a zoning issue with 150 meters from a school or daycare. So uh, that's basically just you can only be downtown, mm-hmm. which that's fine. And then uh, we don't know if something's going to up at the ski hill. So it's going to be a very different situation, but we're, you know, we're very positive about it and we, uh, we're very optimistic because there's no other way to be. Awesome. That makes sense to me. Yeah. What else? What else? There's, um, other than that, I think you had another question where you were asking if anything horrible had happened. Uh, it was kind of like a follow-up question to, you know, one of the success stories and stuff. And all I'd say with that is, uh, again, uh, we've been open almost two years, and literally, other than the issues we had upon opening, um, which was you know a rough go of a particular individual, um, we haven't had a single complaint. We haven't had a single break-in. Yeah, like all the things that the police were also worried about, and they were just trying genuine to do, concerns. Yeah, they were yeah, exactly. They were just trying to do me a favor, like letting me know about the things they think might happen because they know better than anybody. Um, Nothing's happened. Like we haven't had. I mean, we've been diligent about our security and diligent about the vault and stuff like that. But ten four, we're just not a target. And uh, and that's that's just the best uh, uh, news possible because uh, yeah. So we're again just status quo till we're told the status quo is no longer the case. Um, yeah, but we're we're providing good paying jobs. We're uh, we're we're remitting our taxes. Uh, we're going through our corporate year end again. Uh, I prepay all my corporate taxes, so it's hopefully not going to be a big surprise here. Um, we've generated probably three hundred thousand, almost three hundred thousand dollars of tax revenue uh, for the province of British Columbia and for the uh, Central you know, Canadian Revenue Agency. Um, uh, that was money that would have gone to people's uh, uh, pockets in the black market. Um, so I, I think we've proven that we were able to mitigate the social environmental concerns and offer uh, a great service and also benefit uh, society and do something that's in the public good. Happy customers. Happy customers and, uh, and I think happy, uh, happy revenue uh, agencies as well. Uh, we're just showing that we, will, we can contribute and we're willing to contribute as much as possible even though it's a, a gray market. And um, yeah, so we're, we, we, have, we hold our heads high. Awesome. For sure, yeah. Thanks again. Hey, thank you. Jeff. You're a great guy. Yeah, so are you. That's uh, great. Maybe we'll have part three. Hey, potentially. Well, just after the 17th of yeah. October. Yeah, there'll be lots to talk about then, I'll tell you. Right on. Yeah, excellent. Thanks, Brent. Thanks. Yeah. So there's part two. 
And whether you're a concerned citizen, a patient, or investor, you now know more. And now that you know more, why don't you go talk to your computer network guy about 10-4 optics? And here's Lotus from Minus the Bear. Congregation's been killed oh. 